On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go to Mexico City and steal a one-point victory over the Atlanta Magic with a huge fourth-quarter comeback. We'll get into all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1585 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday, and it is definitely Friday morning as I'm recording this podcast. And today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself and your family while you purchase a Jace case, providing with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat more than 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. Also, I encourage you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day. And please check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side. And we're also on YouTube on the video side. And today's show will focus almost entirely on what became a 120 to 119 victory for the Hawks in Mexico City, a standalone game. It started at like 9.47 p.m. Eastern time. It went more than two and a half hours. It is very late, but it was a memorable game. Certainly a tale of two halves in a lot of ways, but the Hawks actually playing for the first for the first time ever in Mexico City, pick up their fifth win in the last six games. They were actually cruising to some extent in the first half with Trey Young having 33 points before halftime, tying his career high in the process. And they had a bad third quarter. They were down. They were actually down 11 points with eight minutes to go in this game. They had a 14 to two run, take the lead. It was back and forth from there. And then Dejounte Murray knocked down the eventual game winner in the final minute off of a fantastic pass by Trey Young, and the Hawks escape again with that one-point, very narrow victory in this game. And look, if you didn't see this game, I know it was very late on the East Coast. I'm sure this is probably the latest game I've ever covered between two teams that play in the Eastern Conference, um, but obviously there's a reason for that. Anyway, an incredibly weird, long, sloggy basketball game. There were 49 fouls called, 65 free throw attempts in a regulation game. There were 36 turnovers, and a lot of those were in the first half. Just really no flow at all for most of the night in this game. Some of that was the officiating. I have to say it was not my favorite officiated game in the history of the world. Some of it was the altitude, as I talked about a little bit on the preview podcast. This this game is actually being played in an altitude that is even higher than Denver. So guys were, I'm sure, gassed and tired and uh, kind of grabbing their shorts along the way. And some of, the, some of that also is the way that Orlando just plays. They kind of muck it up on purpose. They're not the most skilled team offensively when it comes to shooting, et cetera. But either way, it was really a messy game, and the Hawks stole this victory. And look, I thought the Hawks would win the game. They're the better team in my mind. Um, they actually didn't cover the spread. The Hawks were three-and-a-half-point favorites at FanDuel and won by one point. So that's unfortunate on some level for some people, I'm sure. But we'll dive in now. If you're a new listener to the podcast, you're just not finding us for the first time, first of all, Welcome to the show. What we do here at the top of the podcast, I'll sort of dive into my overall observations from this one. Then we'll kind of get into the way the game unfolded in the middle of the podcast. And at the end of the show, we'll go player by player, talk about how how everyone fared for the Hawks in this spot. And we'll go to the offense of the offensive end of the floor, I should say, to start things off. And really, this is the area where it was really truly a tale of two halves for the Hawks. They scored 73, 73 points in the first half, 47 in the second. And if you remember, the Hawks could not make a shot on Monday in Oklahoma City. And that's the reason, at least the number one reason, why they lost that game against the Thunder. In the first half, the Hawks were red hot, headlined by Trey Young, who again had 33 points to tie a career high and a half. And in the second half, the Hawks were really cold. They shot 38% from the floor, 
They were 5-19 from three. They did stop turning them all over, which was certainly helpful, but it was really ugly offensively at times in the second half. But before I get, I get to the all, overall numbers, I should, I should at least say this. Orlando is a good defensive team. I'm not sure they're as good as our numbers indicate coming into tonight's game. They, you know, they were third or fourth in the league in defensive rating. I wouldn't put them quite up there, but they're certainly a top 10-ish defense in the league, in my opinion. And they're particularly good at creating turnovers and also rebounding the ball. And both of those showed up in this game in a big way. So with all that said, the Hawks did have an efficient offense in this game. They had about a 115 offensive rating. And that should be good enough to win on most nights, I will say. Even with Atlanta's proclivity to be offense first versus the defense, they shot the ball more than well enough in this game. 48% from the field. They were 15 of 39 from three. They attempted 30 free throws. Those are all really good numbers. They did, turn, they did turn the ball over 18 times. That is too many for sure. But only six of those after halftime. So that was better at the second half. They got enough transition to survive. They had 23 pass break points in this game. And they were better on offense than defense for sure. But it's just not, it was not the best from Atlanta on offense in this game. I will say they kind of just went cold. And the process wasn't too bad, I didn't think, in the third quarter. But it certainly wasn't their best effort. And then they kind of just found it when they had to at the end. But, uh, you know, look, the offense was better than the defense. I will, I will give them that. But certainly it's the way this, this team is supposed to be playing on the whole. And they had a tougher, a tougher matchup on offense and defense against against this Orlando team for sure. The other end of the floor, much more mixed results, let's just say. Uh, I thought it was largely poor on defense from Atlanta in this spot. Now, I will say, that we'll, we'll come back to this later on in the podcast for sure. They did get five stops on the last six possessions defensively to really get back into the game and also seal the game at the very end. So that that definitely matters. Some of that probably has to be given to Orlando for some bad execution. Some, you know, Palo Boncaro was really bad down the stretch, I thought, for Orlando. But the Hawks did step it up defensively at the end of the game, and that is worth noting. But still, they allowed about a 115-ish defensive rating against a Magic team that has a pretty shaky offense, and they were also operating without two of their top, you know, eight or nine guys and their starting center, Wendell Carter Jr., who's a really good player, and then Gary Harris, who's one of their better shooters on the perimeter. So Orlando in this game actually was only like league average with their shooting, which is actually good for Orlando. They're a bad shooting team on the whole, but it was everything else where the Hawks kind of lost this game uh, on defense. Now, again, they won the game, so it doesn't matter in the end, but if you kind of drill down a little bit here, Orlando really won the possession battle going away. They killed the Hawks in the glass. The Hawks have been doing a really good job this year rebounding. That did not happen in this game. In fact, Orlando this is one of my favorite stats to always point out in the podcast. Orlando took five more shots than the Hawks did in this game and five more free throws. So they basically had seven or eight extra possessions and the Hawks managed to win the game by one because they just shot the ball just a little bit better than Orlando did. But the Hawks did create turnovers. That's the one thing they actually did well defensively in this game. 13 steals, 19 takeaways on the whole. But the rest of it was pretty messy. It was even worse until the very end. So I would say the Hawks probably will be fortunate. You know, Quinn Snyder gave kind of a funny remark after the game, talking about we might not be the best defense kind of thing. And that's true. Like, I think that objectively speaking, this Hawks team is offense first. We kind of know that if you're a fan of the team at this point in time or someone who follows, follows the league closely. But the Hawks did enough defensively at the end of the game. I thought Capella at the end was very, very good. Uh, Jalen Johnson was really good in this game on defense at times. And uh, we'll get into all the sort of the nuance later. But not quite the best performance in the world from the Hawks, I would say, on the whole in this game. But just enough offense, just enough defense. And they managed to steal this one uh, down in Mexico City against a team that's like not 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 bad, but that they're certainly better than and they wanted to get this win. Um, you know, other than that, not a whole lot else to add to this game as far as like the big picture stuff. But 
in a second, we'll dive in to what actually transpired from start to finish, basically, on this one. My observations, the game flow, and, of course, the play-by-play at the end of the game where things got very interesting in the fourth quarter. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast and a word from eBay Motors. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and our partners. eBay Motors have been teaming up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every single week we're going to provide you with some players that are guaranteed to fit on your fantasy roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us in this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Josh has an awesome list of players to target and focus on, but I won't give the entire list away. I have to highlight a personal favorite of mine, Bismack Biombo the Memphis Grizzlies center at this point in time. Josh notes that Xavier Tillman has been dealing with some knee soreness and also could uh, that could sort of lead to more starts and more minutes and more blocks and more rebounds for your fantasy team with Biombo. Memphis also went out and proactively got Biombo when they kind of needed some depth after the Stephen Adams injury. There's a ton of depth behind him. Also, he's not sexy. I got to be honest with you about that, but he's, he's pretty limited offensively, but Biombo knows how to defend. He always rebounds. He's really efficient as a shooter, 58% from the floor the last four seasons. He's really a tremendous shot blocker as well, which is huge in fantasy. He has a career block rate of 5.5%. That is massive. He's been blocking a whopping 3.6 shots per 36 minutes over the last two seasons. Josh also has other guys on his list like Brandon Miller and Denny Abdia. Tell about your fantasy labs right now. You'll want to check out the entire thing. Elsewhere, because Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is all about having each player being a perfect fit. It's the same for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton for work, going to Hawks games all over the place, etc. There have been times when I've actually needed an upgrade to my car or even just to fix a part or two to keep things running and moving along. eBay Motors is the best possible place to do all of that. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure your car truck stays running smoothly. They have brake kits and LED lights and roof racks and bumpers. Whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it is guaranteed to fit your ride the very first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll dive in now to the game flow in this spot for Atlanta. And it was an 18-7 run by the Hawks to open the game up. Actually, it seems like it was a long time ago because it kind of was. But the Hawks were in control of this game in the first quarter. They actually went empty on their first trip of the game. Then they made three consecutive threes. One by, uh, actually, a nice pass by Trey to Jalen Johnson. Then two in a row by DeJounte Murray. They made four threes in the first four minutes. And they came in averaging less than 12 per game. So they were really, really letting it up in the early going of this game for three-point range. But it was really scattered pace-wise. I, did, I will say that Trey loves to be a showman, and he will certainly admit that. Um, but I think this big stage, international game, et cetera, he was trying to put on a show, like lots of fancy dribbling, that kind of stuff at the beginning of the game. Uh, nothing bad. Obviously, he played very, very well in the first half. He, he sort of has the flair for the dramatic. He is a showman in a good way in a lot of ways. But he was really cooking at the outset. Had uh, had one actual great pass to Jalen Johnson after a behind-the-back move and delivering the lob in perfect fashion, as he always does. Uh, also, one of the weird things at the beginning of this game was that Paul Moncara basically clotheslined Jalen Johnson on a drive to the rim. It was reviewed immediately. If you saw this game, uh, this game closely, Trey jumped around, like immediately reacted like pretty extensively to that play. It was ruled to be a flagrant one. I will say this. It was closer to being a flagrant two, which would have been an ejection than it was to a common foul. It was definitely going to be a flagrant one watching the replay. I, I don't, I'm not outraged by it. I know some Hawks fans were bothered that he wasn't ejected. I, I kind of get it up on both sides. I think it was certainly a flagrant one at minimum. And, uh, you know, maybe Ariel on that side of things wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it was a weird play by Paolo. He had a couple of weird plays in this game. Anyway, Orlando 
did score 10 straight in the middle of the first quarter, and the Hawks had to call a timeout in the middle of that. The biggest issue, though, there was that I talked about earlier. The Hawks had eight turnovers in the first nine minutes of the game, and you just cannot do that. And I'm sure, beyond sure, that Quinn Snyder was preaching in the last couple of days. The Hawks had two days off before this, in addition to the travel to Mexico City. But um, Orlando came in like top three or four in the league in turnover creation, and I'm sure Quinn was preaching ball security. It just didn't happen in the first quarter of this one. Um, rotationally, the only thing that's really of note in this game, other than some uh, weirdness with uh, injuries and foul trouble stuff, was that A.J. Griffin returned to action after two games out of the rotation. A.J. played 10 minutes, which is about what he'd been playing when he, when he had been playing in previous games. Let's talk about how he played later on, mostly, but uh, he was back in this one, and a Hawks fan wanted to see that. Um, actually, Okongwu was really impressive in his limited time on the floor in this game, which is sort of nuanced. He had two blocks on Joe Ingles in a possession in the first quarter, and then he actually had to come out of the game because he got, he got gashed on his on his mouth on that play, and he was bleeding so profusely they couldn't stop it quickly enough. He came out of the game, went to the locker room, they had to go back to Capella and actually alter their rotation because, you know, in the altitude, Capella is not a guy you're going to want to play 15 minutes straight anyway. So Akung was out for a while, and that they actually had to put Bruno in the game at one point, which never really happens. But fortunately, Akung seems to be fine. It just was a blood, a blood situation. But anyway, that was the first weirdness of the rotation in this game. Um, Trey actually had a good uh, steal sort of anticipated it beautifully, led a run-out layup in this spot. He's been pretty engaged defensively this year, which I keep saying regularly, but I want to say again here, he's been at least paying close attention, using the skills that he does have defensively. He's always going to be limited for sure, but certainly has been giving them more on that end of the floor. Uh, the first quarter took about 43 minutes, which is a crazy amount of time for a quarter in the NBA. Um, but it was 34-34. Both teams shot it well, but 15 turnovers and 20 free throws in a quarter. Crazy stuff. No flow at all. Again, Hawks, you know, Trey had it going, obviously, but that was kind of the only thing of note there. Um, as I mentioned before, Okongwu having to lead the game through the rotation out of whack in a big way. Um, Capella played 11 out of the first, first 13 minutes. That's a lot to ask of him with the elevation they were at. And then here's a lineup that I want to at least throw out there a few times in this game. I'll talk about it more in a second, but the Hawks played Trey, Bogey, AJ Griffin, and Sadiq Bey together with Okongwu multiple times. And that lineup, I've talked about this before, but is untenable in my opinion defensively. Like you have to score at such a high level with that quartet on the perimeter defensively that uh, in this game, it didn't really work out. This we'll talk about more in a second. Akongo was flying around though when he came back in the game. He had two blocks and three steals in his first five minutes. He was really, again, covering a lot of ground on the back end, played very well, I thought, off the bench. But Trey got really hot, as you might imagine, given the fact he had 33 points in the first half of this game. He had a 35-footer at one point, uh, was really rolling. Akongo had a huge block in the final minute as well. Trey had, uh, I won't show, I'll give you the numbers now, 33 points on 9-14 from the floor, 4-7 from three, and 11-11 at the free throw line in the first half. So 33 points on 19 shooting possessions. If you do the math on that, that's obviously extremely efficient. He tied his career high with that half and led the Hawks to a 130 offensive rating in the first half. That is extremely impressive, given that Orlando is good defensively. Now, they actually shot the ball so well in the first half that it was almost disappointing that they only, quote-unquote, only were at 130 because they had 12 turnovers and two offensive rebounds, which is areas that the Hawks are usually strong in, just not in this game. But again, defensively, it was pretty bad in the early going. I won't really get that right now. Uh, in the third, crucially, DeAndre Hunter actually made a nice catch-and-shoot, um, no hesitation, three in the, in the very beginning of the third quarter, which you love to see, and then he got his fourth foul with about 10 and a half minutes to go. And they came in, and I didn't love this. Uh, Hunter basically sat for like a full quarter after that. He sat the whole rest of the third and the first couple minutes of the fourth. That's overly conservative, 
I think. And this is an area that I've always talked about with, you know, no matter who's coaching, I think coaches in general, college coaches, NBA coaches, et cetera, are way too conservative with fouls, especially with non-star players. And uh, I think the Hunter sat too long, basically. Um, I will say this, Jalen Johnson got his fourth foul late in the third quarter, but earlier before that, he had a great sequence extra. He had, he had a block on Paolo Moncaro, then he dunked over Franz Wagner in a play, but it's actually, I think he got fouled too. And it wasn't called, but I thought Jalen had lots of high highs in this game. But he got his fourth foul late in the third, and that kind of maybe in part led or contributed to the lineup that the Hawks were using, but uh, I didn't love that anyway. Anyway, uh, Quinn did win a challenge on a tip-in by Capella that was originally called basket interference. It was not a huge high leverage play, but it was a direct two-point swing. Like It added two points to the, to the ledger, which has made it a good challenge in a lot of ways. Um, Trey was much quieter. There was a nice give-and-go, though, that he had with Capella. Um, not something you ever see with Trey and Clint, just an, a, an actual give-and-go play. But it worked out very well. I thought Capella was excellent in the second half of this game. Um, I thought, though, both teams looked worn out and gassed. And that was kind of echoed after the game in a lot of the quotes that were flying around from players and coaches. Like, it seemed like everybody was tired, which, again, elevation, you can't, like, track it too much. But um, that is not a surprise. I, know, I tried to say that a little bit on the show the last couple of days before this. But, um, you know, no matter how good of shape you are in, it's just different to be playing at 7,000 feet above sea level. That's just a weird weird situation to be playing in. Anyway, the Hawks were leading the first nine minutes of the third quarter and the magic kind of slowly chipped away. And here's where I come back to that lineup again. So again, the Hawks played that Trey, Bogey, AJ, Sadiq lineup, and it got killed in the third quarter. In fact, it was 11-0 run by the magic as soon as that group came in. Now, maybe that's coincidental on some level, but certainly didn't feel that way. Um, defensively, that group has no chance, in my opinion. Obviously, you could just hope to, that the opponent misses, misses shots, but the theory of the case there is just not there. Like Trey has been better, but he's not a great defender. Bogey, AJ, and Bay, like Sadiq is physical. Bogey is smart. Um, AJ's not very good right now. But like, you, there's no burst athletically with anyone on the floor there. There's no size. Like they're pretty small. Um, other than you know, I guess Bogey at the two is pretty big. But you know, any of the, anyway, that that for that foursome isn't going to work. And then of course it was it was even magnified because they didn't score for three minutes. And that group just cannot have that happen or it's going to be absolute mayhem. And I thought Bay and AJ in particular were, were really bad in that stretch. Um, also, Bay got called for a flagrant foul at one point. Um, again, they, they did have both of them in foul trouble with Hunter and Johnson. But I thought that it's pretty clear to me that the Hawks need either DeAndre Hunter or Jalen Johnson on the floor all the time for defensive purposes and size purposes and burst purposes athletically. I know Jalen's sort of in a different tier than DeAndre, but Hunter is a better athlete and you know, sort of a longer guy, more like traditional wing stopper type than someone like Bay, et cetera. So like, I understand that may not be able to happen, but it's even worse without Murray. Like, and look, I've been critical of Murray's defense, but Murray is at least a habit creator defensively. So you basically had your three best, or at least your you know best pedigree def defenders on the perimeter, Murray, Johnson, and Hunter all on the bench at the same time. And that isn't going to work. So it didn't work here. I'll be interested to see if they use that lineup again in the near future. Now, a good point that I saw some people making, including Grant Shirley, good uh, good follow on Twitter. Um, yes, it is fair to say that that unit shouldn't have gotten absolutely killed by Orlando's bench. That is fair. Like, if you ask me, do I like that unit? No, I was, I've said it a lot on this podcast before. But they were they were facing a bench lineup from the for the Magic, and you shouldn't be giving up an 11-0 run to that group no matter what. So. Both can be true. Like, I think that it kind of got, they probably underachieved tonight, even normal, but I don't like that line up anyway. And we'll see if they use it again in the future. There was a great block and a pass by, by Neca at the end of the third quarter 
to actually cut the lead down to five for Orlando. But the offense was really bad in the third quarter. Trey only had two points, and that was not the only reason, but he was certainly a contributor to the poor offense in the third quarter. And then the fourth, I teased it earlier, but the Hawks were down 11 with eight minutes to go. And that's not what you want. Um, in fact, it was a 26-10 overall run by the Magic. Um, I thought Bogey kind of kickstarted things in the third, sorry, in the fourth quarter. He actually had five straight points, and they had a nice steal actually that led to a bucket by Capella in transition, and that keyed a 14-2 run by Atlanta to go from down 11 to up one with four minutes to go. They got a lot of stops in that stretch, which was good to see. Now, Dejounte Murray had a really rough patch. I won't go through all the plays, but I think he had been playing well to that point. I think he might have had three or four maybe in five poor plays on offense down the stretch. Now, of course, he made the big three at the end, which makes up for it, but uh, just some context there. But, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Um, they cut it down to three. The Hawks actually missed three free throws in about a minute and a half, one by Clint, one by Jalen, and one by Trey, which is one you can't really afford for Trey to miss. Obviously, Capella, that's kind of what you expect, one out of two. But Johnson missing one, and then Trey missing one, not ideal. But, you know, defensively, again, they got – Five stops in the final six possessions. There was a big charge drawn by Jalen on Moncaro. A great play by Jalen, and Moncaro was out of control. Um, Quinn shouted that out at postgame. Also talked about how good Clint was down the stretch, which I certainly agree with. He was awesome. Um, what else did I talk about? Oh, so Franz actually had a very difficult – the one possession that the Magic actually scored on in the final like three minutes was a really, really tough running kind of hook shot from, from Franz Wagner – over Capella, who had been shadowing him, Capella did a great job in space. That's not like Clint's strength right now, but he was covering Franz down the stretch and like doing well, like sliding with him on the last possession of the game. He stopped him in in, uh, in that same situation. But anyway, shouting out to Clint on that one, and then the incredible pass. I'm sure I'm sure by now that everyone's seen that play, but if you haven't, go find it on Hawks Twitter or whatever. Trey breaks the defense down, throws his trademark wraparound pass to Murray, who is open in the corner. Murray shoots it with confidence. And again, he'd been playing poorly for about three or four minutes there, but a nice confident shot. He's not, he's never lacking for that. And uh, the two big guards, I mean, obviously Quinn shot it out late, but you know, after all of that, your two star guards connect on the last play. Great possession by Trey, great shot by, by DeJounte. Now it wasn't over at that point in time. In fact, there were, there were 31 seconds left. So there was a seven second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. And that is enough to be dangerous. So I thought, again, Capella had a nice play on Franz in space um, to kind of contest. Ended up being a loose ball. And then Trey came out of there, good hustle by him, and then somehow managed to get down the sideline without getting fouled. Now, would the Hawks have won the game anyway? You would imagine they would have probably won the game anyway. But you're only up by one, which means even if Trey makes both free throws, you're only up by three, you could get tied, et cetera. So Trey managing to slither down the sideline, not get fouled, and then smartly throw the ball up in the air at the end of the game. Um, not a small thing. So the Hawks not actually having to get fouled at the end of that game, despite a seven-second differential between shot clock and game clock, is actually kind of a sneaky play. But another great stop, five out of six at the end, and Atlanta escapes. So, look, I gave you the stats earlier. The second half was a complete slugfest again both teams tired the magic won the second half by three points 50 to 47 but it was just a completely different flow of the game in the second half there were let there were fewer fouls even though there were still a lot fewer turnovers just and more poor shooting like just kind of everything slowed down but the hawks were able to steal it at the very end and uh, emerge victorious and again five wins in the last, in the last six games they're now in a good spot overall and uh, feeling good as they return to atlanta for a game on saturday evening all right, before we get to the rest of the podcast, which includes the player-by-player -player breakdowns and much more, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast.
Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical, and you and I spend a lot of time together. If you listen to this podcast regularly, we can get fired up after uh, wins or frustrating losses either way on either side of things. We talk about who starts, of course, for the Hawks and who sits and dead deep on basketball together. I'm thankful for that connection that I have with all the listeners to this podcast. And today, I want to talk about being a little bit more personal. I've learned that you could also get a one-year supply of ED medications with Jace Medical. Bring on extended travel, the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. Don't worry. You're covered with Jace Medical. And you also don't have to worry about whether actually you can refill your generics for prescriptions. That's possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now, jacemedical.com, to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. And remember to use that promo code Locked On at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace, and I quote, I thank you for the service. Supply chain issues have caused me to cut pills in half to have it, and I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are low, lower than local pharmacies. I recommend this for everyone, end quote. If you or someone you love would like to get a peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, JaceMedical.com is the place to go, so go there right now to see if it's offered for you. Use, and use the promo code when you get there as well. The promo code is locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Check it all out now at JaceMedical.com. All right, and to the player-by-player breakdown, we will start with the bench in this one. Bruno Fernando played one minute, and the Hawks were plus seven in his minute. Just Bruno Fernando. It wasn't only him doing that, but I think Bruno, uh, just to say that it's out loud to a new audience potentially, I think Bruno is one of the better third centers in the league. He's a very competent player in that in that spot. Should he be playing more? No, but I think he is a good, good guy to have around. Great, great locker room guy. He was a big hit in Mexico. He actually gave a, a nice address to the crowd before the game. He speaks Spanish. That was very helpful. Um, anyway, I thought Bruno played well in a, in a tight spot. Um, less so for AJ Griffin. So I've said the last couple a couple of episodes that I would be playing AJ Griffin, and I stand by that. Um, I think playing Garrison Matthews over him doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, Quinn got a, got a question uh, actually from Lauren Williams pregame about that that I heard the answer to. Kind of a non-answer in a lot of ways, but yeah, kind of just talked around it a little bit. And look, that could still be true. I thought AJ was quite bad in this game. He played 10 minutes, minus 11, uh, had two turnovers, did have two points, but no rebounds, no, no assists, misses one three. Defensively, he was really rough. Now, he's part of that lineup that I think all the time he played in this game, maybe the entire time, if not most of it, was playing with that bad lineup. But I thought he was one of the problems. I thought he just played with no force at all, maybe a little bit tentative or whatever um, after not playing the last two games. So uh, he, he's got to be better than that, obviously. And he's not been playing his best this year in general, but I think he should play. He was not good in this game. Um, Akongwu had a weird game. He was minus 18 in a one point win. So that's not on him. Again, he was the anchor of that group that has no chance. That's not really his fault. He also had a memorable stat game in that he became the, this is actually per Hawks PR who sent this out. Conlon became the first Hawks player since tree Rollins in 1978. That's a long time to have at least four blocks and three steals in the game off the bench. Now that's obviously a very specific stat, but it does you don't often see four blocks and three steals in 21 minutes from a bench from a bench player. Um, and I thought he individually played fairly well. He had a couple of nice highlight plays. Defensively, he played well. Um, he was not capable, like I don't think anybody was capable of making up for the defensive stuff on the other four guys in that lineup. But um, if you see his, his minus 18 and assume he played poorly, he didn't play poorly. Um, Sadiq Bay, 29 minutes off the bench, two points, three rebounds, uh, had a steal. I thought he was pretty bad too. Not not as bad as AJ, but it was not his not a Sadiq Bay game in a lot of ways. Uh, defensively, not his best work. Only got up four shots, got up no threes. There should be no circumstance where Sadiq Bay plays 29 minutes and takes no threes. That makes no sense at all. Um, I know some of this lineup stuff where he's playing more of the four next to a bunch of shooters. Obviously, he's playing minutes with AJ and Bogey. He's in less of a like spacer role, but still, 
he played 15, 20 minutes without those guys on the floor and just didn't really do much of anything. So he needs to be better than that. I think everybody knows that at this point in time. And then Bogey, I thought, was really, really big in the second half. I mentioned it before. He keyed that run in the fourth quarter. 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, three steals for Bogey, active defensively. Um, three of five on twos, three of six on threes. He was very, very valuable. And honestly, I thought the Hawks probably could have closed with him. I get why they didn't, but I think he was at least pretty useful in a lot of ways. Um, to the starters. Uh, the guy who played the least was DeAndre Hunter because of foul trouble. Four fouls for him. By the way, he ended on four fouls. And that's because, again, it's the reason why I would have probably played him a little bit more and more aggressively. He wasn't great. I thought he was fine. 12 points. Uh, no rebounds. We're kind of back to that with DeAndre, unfortunately. Uh, did have a steal and a block, though. He's active there. Four fouls. Um, four or five from the free throw line. Two or five from three. I thought he played okay. He wasn't great. He did a pretty good job on Franz, I thought, in the first half. Um, but yeah, quiet night because he didn't play a ton. Uh, Capella, I thought, was really, really, really good in the second half. Six points, 11 rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. Four assists from Clint is a lot of assists. But defensively, I thought he was a monster down the stretch. Now, well, not, I guess, probably the whole second half. But a weird matchup for him in a lot of ways. Like you're playing, you're kind of anchoring, and you know, it's a weird matchup for him. But I thought that Clint was attentive. He was more aggressive. I think um, he was probably one of the guys in the first half that was kind of maybe feeling it a little bit more than others. Like, and look, he played a lot of minutes because Kongwu was not available for that time. And also centers, especially someone like Clint, like he's more probably more prone to having uh, you know some altitude issues, let's just say. But he obviously found it in the second half. He was really good. Um, no mistakes down the stretch. Had, had a, I think he had more than one block. He was only given, only given one block, but I think he probably was someone who should have had more than one credited to him. But anyway – rebounding, defense, et cetera, and a good job by him in space against Franz, against Franz Wagner down the stretch. Jalen Johnson, 19 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, was, was plus 15, uh, five of five on twos, two of four from three, got the line for four attempts. I thought, he, I thought he played great. Again, probably too conservative on the on the foul front, although he is more of a high foul player than Hunter is in a lot of ways, but I thought he was just better than Paolo Banquero in this game. Um, does that mean he's better like overall? Maybe not, but at the same time, I thought Jalen was just like really good again. Um, I think I, if I had to guess at this point, um, I would imagine he'll be starting from now on. I know there was been a lot of consternation about that. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I think the fact that he started these last two games against teams where you know he, he wouldn't necessarily always do that, I think he's going to be in that spot moving forward, if I had to guess. He played great in this game. Again, lots of highlights, had the big charge at the end, et cetera. Uh, DeJounte and Trey will end with. So we'll go to, De to DeJounte first. 16 points on 15 shots. So not fantastic. Um, three of eight for two on two, three of seven from three. Three rebounds, two assists, two steals, four turnovers. Not his best. In the fourth, I thought he was actually really bad until the end. But the big shot at the end does make up for a lot. Uh, defensively, he was at least ball hawking. He had two steals. I thought he wasn't very good at the point of attack in this game. Um, he, he'll play better than this. Uh, and yeah, he obviously had a great start to the season, so I'm not like pouring it on at all, but not his best night, I didn't think. And then Trey. So, man, a really weird game for Trey Young. In the first half, he was honestly brilliant. Like, he can't really be much better than he was in the first half. He had it going, he had a jump shot going, he had a floater game going, the drives, etc. By the way, this is actually a courtesy of a listener named John said this to me, but Trey had not reached 25 points this year, which, which I didn't know, but that's the third longest streak without getting to 25 points in his entire career. So to be fair, he had 23 or 22 and 20, like he was kind of living in that 20 to 24 range. So it's not like it's kind of an arbitrary endpoint, but still he had that in the first half tonight. And then in the second half, he fell off a cliff. Like he was really pressing. Uh, he was three of 13 from the floor and one of eight from three after halftime. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't think he was very good. 
Uh, but again, he made the next play of the game on the pass to, on, on pass to DeJounte. And for the full game, the numbers look great. Obviously, 41 points, eight assists, three turnovers is really good for him, actually. Um, he was seven of 12 on twos, totally fine. 515 on threes is not incredible, but it's totally fine on huge volume. That's the line 13 times. So, like, he was actually still efficient despite a really, really bad second half. 41 points on, what, 33 possessions shooting-wise? That's that's more than enough for him. And defensively, he was at least active, had two steals. Um, yeah, so I, I think Trey, on the whole, played well. Uh, but for, you know, the first quarter and a half of the second half, he was not very good. But given how good he was in the first half, and the fact that he made the big play at the end, um, you can't really ask for too much more on the whole from Trey. Okay, with all that said, no, you know, a lot of positives, but not like universal. It's not one of those games where you can just say, everybody played great. Like the Hawks didn't play an A-plus game. They might have played a C-plus game on the whole. Um, but they get out of there with a win, and that is all that matters at the end of the game, despite all the nuance that I like to bring on this podcast. From here, the Hawks return home. Of course, they had two, they had two days off before the game. Now they only have one day off and not even a full day off to travel back, and then the Hawks play uh, their first home game in 10 days on Saturday, and they host, of course, the arch-rival, Southeast Division rival, Miami Heat, SFM Marina. Now, the Heat have not been very good this year, which is notable. Uh, Miami, I believe, is they're 4-4, four and four, but they're a weird 4-4. Four and four. Uh, They're 1-3 on the road. They've actually won three games in a row right now, but Tyler Hero is now hurt, banged up for them. Uh, ankle sprain, for all of the jokes that I've gotten off about Tyler Hero, he does help their offense, so he's, he's not going to be there. We'll see what happens there. It's obviously a rematch of the play-in from last year, and where well, the Hawks actually won on the road in Miami, as a reminder, and also the playoff series from the year before, uh, the first of four against Miami this year, so a lot of, a lot of attention on that one. And then after that, We'll have more on this next week, but there is another round of in-season tournament games happening on Friday that the Hawks are not participating in because they don't actually start their in-season tournament run until Tuesday because of the trip to Mexico and all that stuff. So Atlanta finally has that coming on Tuesday in Detroit. I'll actually be at that game, which will be a lot of fun. We'll do a little preview of that at the beginning of the week after the Heat game. But anyway, the Heat are in town on Saturday. That'll be a big game atmosphere. I was not, not quite the same level of attention nationally as the Mexico City game would have gotten tonight, but certainly Miami gets attention always, and uh, it's a Saturday. We'll see all the attention there. Also, before we get out of here, I should remind you again, as I had the last couple of podcasts, that there'll be some extra shows in the audio-only feed. So if you're a subscriber to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or Overcast, etc., do not be surprised if you see some extra bonus audio content either in a postcast form from Lost Night Sports Atlanta or Atlanta, I believe it's called the Atlanta Basketball Party. That is not me, but it is from the Locked On Podcast Network via Locked On Sports Atlanta. I will keep saying this for a while longer because I keep getting questions about it, but I am not leaving the show or doing anything less on the podcast. I'm still doing my same allotment of episodes. It's still a full slate for me. I'm not leaving. I've been here for 1,500 plus episodes and seven plus years at this point in time. Just some extra bonus audio from the network and the folks at Locked On Sports Atlanta. Keep that in mind. With that said, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Places like Spotify and Apple and Google and Google Podcasts, Overcast on the audio side, also YouTube on the, on the video side, where I'd also love it if you like the show and the episodes that you're listening to right now or watching right now and subscribe to alerts for when episodes are actually posted over there on YouTube. I do some uh, quick hitters there as well sometimes. Also follow the show on Twitter, slash X at Locked on Hawks. Follow me there as well if you'd like to, at BT Roland. I have a Patreon as well where I write about the Hawks sometimes, patreon.com slash BT Roland. Thank you, as always, everyone, for listening to the podcast tonight. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this one. I'm not rambling on too long here as we're getting in past 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. It's a Friday morning. So all of that said, I'll be back with a new episode after the game on Saturday evening. And enjoy your time. Until then, thank you for listening. and We'll see you all next time.